0: welcome everyone to the pff fantasy podcast i am your host john McRae, fantasy analyst here at pff and joining me as always pff's lead fantasy analyst the great nathan yonke nate how's it going
1: Uh, It's going well. We finally have football tonight. It's the Hall of Fame game, which I know we probably won't see the starters very much. A year ago was the Josh Jacobs game that everyone was concerned about. So there could be something that happens that we don't see coming. So definitely excited to have football back on my TV tonight. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: still exciting. It's, you know, we're kind of craved for NFL football at this point. So we'll, we'll kind of take whatever they can give us, even if it's not the starters. Um, Hopefully we do find something that is kind of fantasy useful out of that, um, out of that game, but I'm excited nonetheless. I mean, we, today is the day that we get football back with that, illustrious Hall of Fame game between the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets. So we'll, we'll be discussing today some some fantasy relevant news at a training camp and some of our key rankings updates as we get closer to the season. I'm pretty excited. I know anyone listening to this podcast has to be pretty excited to be getting football back um, and, of course, fantasy football as well. So this next month or so should be really fun leading up to the start of the season. We have a lot of good content planned that I think uh, the people will enjoy. Um And and actually, speaking of which, we've got a couple of good things, interesting things going on right now over on PFF.com, which is just in time for fantasy season. And that one of them is our PFF Fantasy Mock Draft Simulator. So you can actually do a fantasy football mock draft using this brand new PFF Fantasy Mock Draft Simulator. All you have to do, head over to PFF.com. You'll see the red banner at the top of the site. You can't miss it. That'll tell you where to click. You can then choose your scoring settings, lineup requirements, draft strategy, even. Um, You could even sync your league. Uh, Really great. I'll, I'll it'll utilize the PFF rankings as well. And and with the draft assist option, you'll even get uh, analysis on each pick to help you kind of optimize your draft choices. Thing is super helpful. It's free, a lot of fun. I know I could spend hours just kind of drafting over and over again from different spots. So definitely go give that a whirl on pff.com. Nate, did did you give it a spin yet?
1: Uh, yes, I've been giving it several spins since I've been <laughs> helping work on this behind the scenes for the past couple of months. We've also had uh, Timo, who is a big part of our uh, NFL draft mock draft simulator. Uh, he's done a ton of work on this as well, as well as our tech team. So shout out to everyone there who's been working on this, but definitely fun to do these drafts and try to just come up with strategies of if I draft someone in this round, how things will look in the next round and the round after that. A big part of it is just seeing the percentages of how likely someone is going to be available in the next round, so you know can make your strategy based off of that. So, um, definitely have had a lot of fun doing several drafts, and will continue be, to be using the mock draft simulator to prepare myself for my upcoming drafts.
0: Nice, yeah, it's so good. It, it, it the team did an awesome job on it. It's it's definitely fun to to. To play around with so definitely check that out um and then we also have a, a very cool contest going right now which you can also find on pff.com and what it is is a fantasy punishment contest uh, that'll give you and a friend a chance to win vip treatment at any sunday night football game this season as well as a lifetime subscription to pff plus All you have to do is submit a video of your fantasy league's last place punishment to the link on the site to get your entry in there. Um, You'll get tickets to a Sunday night football game of your choice. You get to meet the boss, Chris Collinsworth and tour the commentators booth. You get that lifetime sub to PFF plus as well. One hell of a prize if you ask me. So you just type in, PFF Punishment Contest into your Google or Bing, whatever you're using, uh, and that'll you that'll lead you there. You can also find it on the at PFF Twitter account and on PFF.com. So if you have a great league punishment that you think gives you a shot at that awesome prize, definitely go submit that now. All right, one more piece of housekeeping before we get into the bulk of this episode, as we want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. As a parent, your child's well-being is your top priority. You want to see them chase their dreams, embrace life's adventures, and thrive in this world. But you also know life can be unpredictable, and that's why it's important to plan for the unexpected so they can continue to thrive no matter what. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com fantasy. That's meetfabric.com fantasy, M-E-E-T, fabric.com fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right. Like we mentioned earlier, tonight is the Hall of Fame game. Really the first preseason game of NFL football between the Browns and the Jets. Nate, you got your Miles Garrett jersey on. I love it. Um, You know, I I don't care how insignificant this game might end up being. I know I'll be tuning in just on the chance that we get some juicy fantasy nuggets from this one. And also because I'm starved for NFL football at this point in the offseason. Nate, what do you think might be some of the top storylines to watch for in tonight's prestigious Hall of Fame game?
1: Uh, sure. First off, when I'm looking ahead to a preseason game, I'm looking to what these teams did last year in the preseason, especially when it's the same coaching staffs uh, like we have here. And last year, both the Browns and the Jets uh played their starters the first drive of their first game, didn't play them all in the second game, played them pretty significantly in the third game. Um Hall of Fame games obviously a little weird because they are playing four games, so it's a little up in the air what they can do. I think with the Jets uh, probably the biggest storyline in the game that that's relevant for fantasy is the Jets' running back battle. We know Brees Hall won't be playing in this game. Uh, there's been all these rumors about Dalvin Cook, but he's not on the team. The latest is. Um, they're a little bit in disagreement of what Cook's uh, role on the team would be. I'm guessing Cook wants to play significant playing time like he has in the past where the Jets should be pretty happy with Brees Hall when he's healthy. But there's that backup. Uh, position that they will be fighting for that we should see a bit of rotation among these running backs or it'll be interesting to see who all is playing, how often they'll be playing Uh, Michael Carter has been that kind of main guy these past few years but Zonovan Knight played well at the end of last year, Uh, they drafted Abani Kanda in the fifth round. So, um that's three running backs that I could see seeing significant playing time throughout the game. They only have uh two other healthy running backs on the roster, so they will have to be using some of these guys throughout. So, I think that should give us a pretty clear indication of what they're thinking now for who will be the number 2 running back or number 3 or how these guys might be rotated in and out, and especially if Brees Hall for whatever reason has to miss a game or two to start the season. Uh, then we'll definitely have a fantasy relevant running back in this group. Nice.
0: I like it. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see who kind of emerges behind Brees Hall there if he's healthy for the season. And if they don't end up agreeing with Dalvin Cook, who just continues to give us um, things to talk about as he's kind of bouncing all over the place in in the news. But yeah, I I, you know, there's there's a couple things like at least for me, you know, I I do kind of I'm slightly interested in, in like a Dorian Thompson Robinson, the the fifth round rookie quarterback out of UCLA for the Browns, kind of an interesting prospect ran for over 2,500 yards as like a mobile quarterback in his college career. I, I just want to, curious if he could beat out Josh Dobbs, Kellen Mond for to be Deshaun Watson's backup this season. Um, but most importantly, I think, you know, for me anyways, is is the defense, the IDPs specifically, the Browns linebackers to see kind of what that deployment looks like with new defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz coming in. I probably won't get much info on that one, um, this, this game, but I'll, I'll definitely be looking for it. Um, so We'll see. It should be interesting. Browns are two and a half point favorites for, I, I believe, for anybody uh, wild enough to to bet on this one. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: All right. There's also oh, some yeah. interesting Brown stuff as well of like who is and isn't playing at running back. Yeah. Um, at how much Jerome Ford is playing uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones and David Njoku played a lot last preseason If the Browns. View them as elevated enough starters that they're amongst the players that don't need to play. And then the Browns have a pretty clear top three wide receiver. There's a ton of guys who could be their number four wide receiver. Uh, David Bell was their primary number three last year, but is a step further down the depth chart now with Elijah Moore. Um, Michael Woods, Anthony Schwartz, Demetric Belton, uh, Dalen Ballard, uh, and then Darden all saw playing time last year. They drafted Cedric Tillman. Uh, They have 30-year-old veterans, Dakeem Grant and Marquise Goodwin. So they have a good seven or eight players fighting for two or three roster spots. So for the Browns, that's probably the most interesting thing from a fantasy perspective, since one of these guys is only an injury away from seeing significant playing time this year.
0: Nice. Yeah, there you go. So there's a few fun things at least to look forward to tonight. Definitely going to be watching, but let's let's take a look at some updates out of camp here and start with the player who has the highest ADP for fantasy this season. And that is Cooper Cup wide receiver for the Los Angeles Rams, apparently dealing with a hamstring injury that is expected to keep him out a couple of weeks. Obviously, a bummer as he's already coming off an injury from last season, and these soft tissue injuries tend to be a pain in the butt, um, or in this case, the hamstring. Nate, we both have Cooper Cup in our top tier of wide receivers heading into the, this season. Any concerns at all that this injury maybe keeps him from playing in week one?
1: I'm not too concerned about week one. A lot of times when we see these injuries, in training camp to a veteran player, they end up holding them out longer than they necessarily need to, just because why not be cautious when there's no real action for another month or so. So it sounds like he should be ready for week one. If anything, there's a chance he might have a little bit slower of a start just because he isn't practicing as much now, but I still probably drafting him where I am since if he has one or two bad games early in the season, that's not going to make or break your fantasy season. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, for sure. Not too concerned there. Um, you know, if it if it were to happen, it, it's probably worth noting. Like somebody like Van Jefferson led the team in routes run last year when Cup was out um, from weeks eleven on. Um, then you had uh, Tutu Atwell, who who became a bit more interesting over that span as well. He led the team. Uh, wide receivers and target rate when when Cup was out at 19.5% and was actually five points higher than, Je- than Van Jefferson. So could be a name to watch as well. But that's really only if, if Cup misses time as kind of those deep flyers, uh, assuming uh, those guys get increases in offensive snaps. Um, Some positive news, Javante Williams, who tore his, both his ACL and his LCL in week four last season is now back practicing in full without limitations already for the Denver Broncos. I think this probably comes as a a surprise to pretty much everyone as kind of the clear consensus, as far as expectations go where that he could potentially even miss the start of this season, or at the very least be eased into action. Well, it's the first week of August, and apparently that hasn't been the case. He's on track for week one. Nate, uh, Williams, his ADP is still outside the top 24 running backs pretty much everywhere you look. Are you optimistic about him potentially being worthy of a top 24 running back pick as, as things stand right now?
1: Yeah, I think he's definitely getting closer to that. I know Wednesday they did limit him a little bit, but it sounds like that was the plan heading into the day, not necessarily a setback of any kind. So I think Williams definitely has that potential. Um, I think it was last week where I wrote my player profile on him. And really looking at the history of Saints running backs, I think Williams definitely has a lot of potential this year. Uh, The Saints uh, with uh, Sean Payton as their head coach in the past, who's now the coach of the Broncos. He had guys like Reggie Bush, Jaron Sprouls, Alvin Kamara, all top five fantasy seasons at some point in their career, in large part thanks to their receiving who is basically 50% of the seasons where the Saints had a running back with 90 or more targets. So I think Williams, who saw, I think it was an 11 target game early last season, definitely capable of being a receiving back. Samashe Piran, of course, there as well, traditionally has been a receiving back as well. But I think Williams, if he's healthy, would get the majority of that role. So I think the potential is definitely sky high. It's just that risk of, is he going to be as efficient as he was? And I don't know if we will know that answer until week one. So I'm guessing his ADP might not rise too much because we just don't know how efficient he will be compared to how he's been in the past. But I think he's definitely a gamble worth taking when you're doing your fantasy draft.
0: Yeah, for sure. Especially at at his current ADP. I know I, I have him currently, I think as my RB24 in my rankings, I think as we get closer to the start of the season there we might see it bump up a little bit as far as the adp goes assuming he doesn't experience any setbacks or anything like that he's already risen a, a, a two and a half spots on underdog in the, in the last week which which puts him uh, at rb27 it was only a couple of weeks ago he was as rb28 in the ninth round now kind of creeping up into the eighth round of drafts and and then on the flip side of this Samaje piran has dropped a couple spots in ADP over the last couple of weeks, which obviously these things go hand in hand with one another. But I do think P Ryan could be a very valuable handcuff in the case that Williams does have um, some struggles or a setback or whatever it happens to be doesn't get that full workload. Like we're expecting. I think, you know, there's a possibility of that. And in, in that case, at least P Ryan will still hold significant fantasy value this season. So I think he's still worth a shot as, especially as his ADP starts to fall a little bit and Williams uh, um, rises. All right let's go into some of our rankings updates here Nate I know you posted um, update updated ranks uh, across the board all over the, the the website these last couple of weeks. I, I've up, updated a lot of my rankings and tiers as well. They're all up there now. So let's start at the quarterback position. You have a new QB1 in Jalen Hurts. I I know it 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 was earlier in the offseason it was Josh Allen, um but we you've you've looked to kind of completely kind of reshuffle your your top tier of fantasy quarterbacks here. Um what has you more bullish on on Hurts over Mahomes or Josh Allen this year?
1: Sure. First off, those three quarterbacks, they're all right next to each other in the rankings. Basically, you can't go wrong with any one of them. If one of them's picked, definitely happy to get the other one. But a couple of things with Hertz that just kind of stood out thinking about it more of why I feel like he's a little bit safer of a play. Part of it is simply his age and the age of his receivers. Um, He's the youngest quarterback of the three by about three years. So he's at a point where he could still be improving, where we typically don't see players at. Mahomes or Allen's age really getting too much better than where they're currently at. So I think Hertz, especially as a passer, has room to grow a little bit, especially with his receivers. He still has A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard, all still relatively young as well. All um, could still be improving where with the Bills and the Chiefs, their top receivers a little bit older in age at a point where we could start see a decline with Stephon Diggs, who's 29, Travis Kelsey, 33. And both of those teams have more uncertainty at receiver. Both of them lost two of their top five players from last year. Um, added Both added rookies. Both have made some other moves as well, especially with some veterans that aren't as big of a name. So I think... Just with some of the uncertainty and having to learn to interact with new receivers, I think it's a little safer with Hertz knowing the receivers that he has and knowing that he can still get those quarterback sneaks for a lot of touchdowns and has that rushing upside. And then the last thing I noted, well, we have our strength of schedule tool at PFF that we have up and running for the season. If you look at their week 15 to 17 schedule, Hertz has the easier schedule for quarterbacks over those three weeks compared to um, the Bills who have the most difficult one and then the Chiefs just a slightly worse one than Hertz. So because of that, I end up with Hertz a little bit higher. Um, He's typically the third one off the board at ESPN, second one on underdog. But if I had the choice between the three quarterbacks, I'd probably be taking Hertz.
0: Nice. Love it. Yeah. I'm hundred percent with you. I, I got hurts as, as QB one as well. I, I think for me, you know, he kind of proved it last year that he kind of belonged in that top tier conversation. And then, like you said, you add in, you know, how significant his improvements were as, as, as a passer could potentially even improve further this year. Um, He even exceeded Allen and Mahomes in certain categories last year as a passer, which like t- turnover worthy play rate was better. Adjusted, comp- adjusted completion uh, percentage was better uh, on top of that. rushing upside the passing weapons like you mentioned um yeah he's been staying qb1 for me uh just love jalen hurts but you're right it's really super close here and and you'd you'd be happy to be to get any one of those three as your qb1 for sure
1: yeah well no with hurts you mentioned his turnover worthy play rate uh was i think second best among quarterbacks just behind justin herbert uh turnover worthy play rate is a pretty stable stat from one year to another so that's something where we can expect Hertz to stay pretty good at that, where big-time throw rate's a little less consistent. And that's something where Allen, I believe, was number one, Mahomes number three among quarterbacks last year. So we could see those numbers more likely to change than Hertz's turnover-worthy play rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
0: especially helpful in those leagues that that score more than negative two points for an interception as well, right? A lot of leagues penalize that a lot more, minus four. Some of them are, are even harsher than that. So definitely something to consider there with with uh, Jalen Hurts. Um, all right it, it, it's been a while since we, we really talked about anthony richardson as kind of a feature i, I know we touched on him in, in our draft strategy piece a few episodes ago but really it was way back in our first episode that we covered him in in more detail and at that time we were looking at the underdog adp from post nfl draft and and richardson was going as qb10 um as one of the biggest risers at that time and the, since then you know he, he's cooled down a bit uh, he's kind of been flip-flopping over the last few months between QB 11 and and QB 12 over there he's QB 12 on sleeper he's QB 16 on ESPN but this last week um, he has been taking all the first team reps in camp over Gardner Minshew uh, which is significant because there was at least some concern that Minshew was going to start the year but that isn't looking that likely right now especially as the fan fan base gets all hot and bothered over some of those camp highlights from him I have Richardson as my QB9. I'm very high on him. I just wrote up a piece uh, for PFF.com that goes into detail all the reasons why I love him as kind of the high upside swing to take at the quarterback position in drafts this year, not the least of which is that athletic and rushing ability combined with the pairing up with Shane Steichen, who just oversaw a lot of what allowed Jalen Hurts to take some big leaps as an NFL quarterback and as a fantasy quarterback. I think even if we expect... Richardson to have his fair share of struggles as a passer, which should definitely be the expectation uh, if he's going to get those goal line sneaks like Hertz last year and he's taken off and running the ball five, six times a game, he could do some pretty significant damage for fantasy. And if he hits that 700 rushing yard total um, while also passing for even just like 2,500 yards, that's still potentially um, could push him into the top 10 of fantasy quarterbacks. And I think it's kind of well within the the realm of possibilities for him as a rookie. Uh, what, what do you think about uh, Jalen Hurts getting the first team reps uh, this this week?
1: Um, I think it's definitely good to see. uh, Definitely helps him this season to be practicing right now with the wide receivers that he'll be throwing to in the season. Uh, We had Sam and Steve over at our NFL podcast over at Colts camp earlier this week. So uh, they got to see him in action and you can watch their podcast to check out what they had to say about Colts camp. But um, I, he bulked up even compared to where he was in college. I was calling him a bigger Jalen Hurts. Um, right after the draft, and now he's even bigger, so that should help him even more with those one-yard sneaks and being able to score touchdowns at the one-yard line. Um, I don't have him quite as high in my rankings just because there are a few quarterbacks that just have so much of a track record of being a top-10 fantasy quarterback, guys like Kirk Cousins, Stack Prescott, as well as... Guys who stepped up last year to a taco Vailoa, who, whenever he was healthy, was a clear fantasy starter. And Daniel Jones, who now has a lot more receivers than he had last year, I could see that going well. So um it's just a risk-reward kind of thing where I can trust those other quarterbacks a lot more, where Richardson definitely has that potential to be a top five quarterback this year, but there's also that potential that he doesn't do as well to start off. So uh because of that, I have other quarterbacks higher, but definitely like would love to pair Richardson with one of those other quarterbacks if I don't end up with the top six or so player. And I think I'd be very happy with that strategy as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair, and honestly, I I don't know. Even in leagues where I've drafted Richardson as my QB one, I don't know that I'd be starting him like week one, for example. I'd probably start maybe that my backup guy who's a little bit safer, and then just kind of see what he looks like, what the what the rushing utilization is for him, and things like that, and then potentially move him into the starting lineup after the first two weeks of the season. But I think, yeah, just based on the upside that he could, if he if he does get the the usage and and does the damage with his legs that that I expect him to, um, that's kind of where he could potentially come in and and, and be a, a true uh, top 10 fantasy asset. So um, excited about Richardson, but you could read more about that on PFF.com if you would like. Um, all right, before we go any further, I do want to shout out one more of our sponsors, the good folks over at DraftKings. Want to get in on the fantasy action, but sick of managing your roster, sick of player injuries ending your season. With Best Ball on DraftKings, you get the best of your team all season long. This year, Best Ball on DraftKings is bigger than ever with $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes up for grabs. For a limited time, you can join DraftKings' largest Best Ball contest ever and get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars as soon as the draft is finished. Act now before this offer expires. To start playing best ball, download the DraftKings app using code PFF, enter DraftKings Best Ball Millionaire Contest, and snake draft your team for the season. Each week, you'll automatically rack up points from all your top scorers, no ads, drops, trades, or I should have played him instead. Teams with the most points by the end of the season will have a shot to take home the $1 million top prize. So, what are you waiting for? Head to the DraftKings app and sign up with code PFF and start playing best ball today. Join the DraftKings $10 million best ball tournament and you'll get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars only on DraftKings with code PFF. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. One per customer. Opt-in required with $10 entry fee. Bonus issued at 10 DraftKings dollars. Agent eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for details. All right. Let's go over to some more news out of camp. We touched on this a little bit Um last episode but there's also been an added name to the injury list here for the broncos wide receivers um as we know tim patrick tore his achilles in camp earlier this week but then kj hamler even was dealing with some kind of heart issue uh where the team had to uh, to release him as well nate i i know um you know or at least how has this news with some of the depth options for Denver kind of affected your ranking, um, if at all, for the the starting receivers for the Broncos?
1: It's been a pretty significant change for me just because I was worried about a heavy wide receiver rotation with how many players they had in Denver and with how much Sean Payton in the past has liked to rotate their wide receivers. But I think now that there's fewer players for competition, this especially helps Jerry Judy. I was concerned that Tim Patrick would play more of the role of What we saw with michael thomas in recent years and even before that uh, marquez colston who was a pretty consistent top 20 fantasy wide receiver over a six or seven year stretch and then thomas of course top seven fantasy receiver over a four year stretch so um both of those wide receivers what they really did well was hitches and crossing routes so it was pretty consistent between the two even though they were different wide receivers jerry judy's been pretty consistently better then Cortland Sutton at those routes in recent seasons, where Sutton's been a little bit better in all the other kind of routes. So to me, that makes it pretty clear that Judy's probably going to be the guy that's we know talent wise he's the best wide receiver option on the team. But now I think he also best fits what the Saints want. Or the Broncos I'm thinking Sean Payton still <laughs> what the Broncos want to do with their offense so I think that definitely helps Judy and then also looking at um what Broncos offenses have done in recent past compared to what the Saints offense was doing uh, the average depth of target for the Broncos wide receivers especially on some of those same routes was three to four yards higher so these should be shorter routes that they're running shorter hitches shorting shorter crossing routes so should be a little bit easier to uh, make accurate passes to make those catches. So even if they aren't averaging as many yards per catch, they should be catching more passes, which definitely in PPR leagues is helpful. So for me, this moves Judy into my top 20 moves him up to 19 since i know i had been pretty low on him both this year and last year as well but seeing him consistently get better each and every year has definitely helped and then even uh, courtland sutton i have at wide receiver 42 now which adp hasn't quite caught up with that yet so i could see sutton being a value and i don't even know if adp will catch up to him since um he's just someone that Was good, but hasn't really come back the same way we expected after his injury. But there's definitely a chance he can rebound better. We've seen some other wide receivers do well in those past Saints offenses before. And then also uh, the rookie Mims, I have up to wide receiver 72 now. Definitely should see more playing time than what we expected. But I also expect there to be at least some of these other wide receivers on the roster seeing playing time. Uh, Marquez Callaway, a former Saint who um, played a lot specifically in running situations. so I expect Calloway to still see a decent amount of playing time, just not being as big of a factor for fantasy football purposes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a ton of sense. And yeah, I know, you know, specifically one of the players that i that i still really like is marvin mims you mentioned him you know he was one of my guys kind of heading into the the nfl draft and we we talked about this on kind of the scheme changes episode as well where where sean payton might not um get russell wilson throwing the deep ball as often um but it could still be part of his game and and if it is marvin mims was was arguably the best deep threat in this entire rookie wide receiver class um, and he also scored incredibly well in, in a lot of the two-year stable metrics for wide receivers in this rookie class coming out of college um, and, and yeah, like you said, there, there could be an opportunity for him there to, to kind of emerge as a big play threat now with, with maybe some fewer obstacles in his way as far as the path to snaps go um, so he, he's risen significantly for me as well, I think I have him as wide receiver 70 um, in a very similar ring So um, yeah, I'm allowing myself to get a little bit more exposure to uh, Marvin Mims in later rounds of drafts as well. But yeah, I think everything else there definitely makes sense as far as moving those guys up. All right, let's go on to another wide receiver um, that that has kind of moved up the ranks for me at least, uh, and that's DJ Moore with the Chicago Bears. Previously, we he was wide receiver 25 to me. I've I've moved him up to wide receiver 21. Um, So as uh, depends how you look at that it feels like a big rise for me at least and not just because there are some absolutely you know fire camp hype videos coming out of him uh, and Justin Fields but more because I've come to the realization that if I'm as big a believer in in Justin Fields taking a big step forward as a passer this season which which I am that DJ Moore is going to be I think by far the biggest contributor to that progression outside of Fields himself. Um, We've seen what adding a number one wide receiver can do to help the development of quarterbacks who maybe hadn't quite reached their potential yet, even just last season with guys like Jalen Hurts getting AJ Brown, Tuatunga Vailoa getting Tyreek Hill. I don't think there's any reason that DJ Moore can't have a similar effect for Justin Fields, um, because ultimately I do think Moore is and and can be that true number one wide receiver in Chicago. He's been exceptional since entering the league. he he's ranked 20th among all wide receivers in that span in PFF war. Um, we've seen him be one of seen him be the most valuable non-quarterback for Carolina in that span as well in terms of war even over guys like Christian McCaffrey, Brian Burns, James Bradbury when he was there so his impact in, in joining the team probably shouldn't be understated and i just love this fit for both guys this season um i think one of the things that i think is particularly important for for fields and this offense as a whole that more brings to the table is that after the catchability which admittedly isn't something that we 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 necessarily saw as much last year but it typically has been a big part of his game and, and it could allow for a lot of that bonus yardage to tack onto fields his passing totals as well as he gets back to to that this year so um i think that's something that is especially important here for chicago because that yak production like i said was an area that Fields got little to no help in last season. Um, I think he ranked 35th in the league in percentage of his passing yards that came after the catch among quarterbacks with at least 100 dropbacks, where you look at someone like Patrick Mahomes, for example, um, who led the NFL in passing yards. He ranked fourth in Yak production, so got a lot more help in that area, area that people realize more, just 26 years old as well. So I've become a lot more bullish on him and and Fields fields as well for this season. But um, what are your thoughts on on DJ Moore this year?
1: Um, I'm at wide receiver 22. I don't think I've really moved him too much at this point like I did one of my first player profiles was on Moore and this past week doing league winners did it on Justin Fields and some of those pieces I'm really trying to dig into the numbers like I did with the Broncos wide receivers and looking at specific routes and stuff but looking at Moore and Fields it all just comes down to can Fields play better as a quarterback than what he has in the past in terms of throwing the football getting the ball out earlier so he's not sacked so much um those will be the huge things that'll determine how good Moore is I think Moore has played with pretty subpar quarterbacks in Carolina in the past, so I think even if Justin Fields doesn't improve too much, Moore can still pretty consistently be in your fantasy starting lineup. Uh, the concern is if he keeps uh, getting sacked too much or keeps running too much, it could just decrease the volume for more too much. But he also has that upside of if Justin Fields takes a pretty big step and there's plenty of room for him to take a big step here, that more could be a top 10 fantasy wide receiver, and I think there's probably... 30 to 40 guys that have top 10 upside, but more is definitely in that conversation. And I think even though he's changed teams, he has that floor as well as that upside. So happy to get him in that 21 to 25 range among wide receivers.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think uh, Justin Fields can, can take a step forward this season. I know last year, as, as far as passing grade and things like that goes, it was a step back from his rookie year, but I, I don't think we should hold it against him too much. I know it's important, you know, to, to kind of keep in mind that NFL player progression isn't necessarily this linear thing that they, they just continually get better each year, right? We do see kind of those ups and downs and, and there's definitely a potential there for him um, to take that big step forward this year with, with another year under that coaching staff and, and bringing DJ Moore in, among, among other things, like you said. So i um, pretty excited about them. But things that I'm less excited about are running backs that are holding out or ho- holding in, however you want to put it. Um, we did kind of touch on this Jonathan Taylor situation last episode, but it continues to get interesting. You know, the longer it goes, uh, apparently teams will be calling about potential trades for Taylor, um, including rumors of Kansas City, who ironically passed on Taylor in the 2020 draft in favor of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, Nate, as of right now, what would you say the chances are that Taylor plays week one for the Colts this season?
1: I think it's still a pretty decent chance just because there's not too many other routes that this can go. I think after Le'Veon Bell set out the entire season and that didn't really go well for Bell and then uh, with the CBA basically discouraging holdout so much, that if Taylor does sit out to prove a point or any of these other running backs, um, it just loses him money and probably doesn't grant him all that much more leverage. So I don't see sitting out week one being a huge thing. Like I could very well see him setting out the rest of training camp and right up until week one, but, I think the only main other thing is he gets traded, and I know we've seen uh, the running back market be pretty terrible for running backs to this point with all the guys on the franchise tag not getting long-term deals, guys like Austin Eckler wanting a new deal, and no one really looking to trade for him, but I think with Taylor at his age, I think The age factor is probably the biggest thing where we can probably expect at least a couple more great years out of Taylor compared to some of these other running backs who might only have one or two more great years left in them. So I think that at least gives Taylor a chance to be traded. And like a lot of these situations, it's a specific team choosing not to do a long-term deal. All it takes is one team who does value Taylor more than everyone else to be willing to trade for him and that being possible. So I could see a trade potentially happening. Um, You mentioned Kansas City. I know Chicago has been a decent um, option that he could also go to. I know Chicago has a bunch of other running backs, but Taylor would be definitely better than all the other options they have. I think um, there are probably a couple other teams where we think of them as having a number of good running back options, but all of a sudden you have Jonathan Taylor on the team and then those options don't matter as much anymore. Like Philadelphia comes to mind as well as Mm -hmm. a team I think would be really fun for Taylor to be on just because uh, the offenses that he was playing for with Philadelphia are decently similar, how great Philadelphia's offensive line is. And even though they added running backs, they really didn't invest all that much in those running backs. So adding a guy like Taylor definitely would change things for Philadelphia. So um, I definitely put Uh, Taylor's chances above 50%, but I would put his chances of getting traded being a bit higher than him just choosing not to play anywhere week one. So I've moved him down my rankings a little bit just because any team that he gets traded to could lead to less playing time or could lead to less efficiency since I am decently excited for the Colts offensive line returning this year. But I know I've moved Tony Pollard ahead of him at this point. I believe I moved Nick Chubb above him as well. So he's still in that second tier of running backs where I don't expect him to be elite, but still he's one of the better running backs in the league when he is playing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of those ones. You just you just don't love it. Um, it. It's hard to feel too excited about him. I know he, he's going later for me as well. I have him as uh, RB8 right now. I, I probably wouldn't be afraid to drop him lower than that if this continues to look bad. But like you said, it depends if he does get traded, where he gets, gets traded to. Or if the team just decides that they will give him, you know, a one-year contract with maybe some more guarantees or incentives or something like that, or say, at least, you know, has shown that he does have a wallet and a heart when it comes to, to Orcas, at least as he, he's expected to spend like $20 million to transport an Orca across the country, but it remains to be seen if the star running back uh, will receive, receive the same sort of love and a financial attention this off season. So <laughs> for now, at least Taylor should probably be pre- approached with, with caution and. Fantasy drafts, looking at some of his ADP changes on underdogs specifically. Um, he has falled uh, three and a half spots in in ADP to RB7. I'd say most drafters are probably taking this into account and are a little bit concerned for sure. All right, let's go to another one that we don't know for sure if there will be a holdout into week one, but definitely possible. That's Josh Jacobs of the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, He's actually moved the least as far as ADP goes. Um, So this market, seems maybe to be more optimistic about him, I think. Um, however, we're still holding in or holding out. Um, and then you got Samir White getting the bulk of the first team carries right now. I know Amir Abdullah is getting a lot of the receiving snaps, it seems, which I think is important to note, especially as we get closer to the start of the season. And we'll see how that plays out in the preseason. But it all depends on if Josh Jacobs is going to play week one. So kind of the same question, Nate, how confident are you about josh jacobs playing in week one at this point and or who are you more confident in playing at least for week one josh jacobs or jonathan taylor
1: at this point probably taylor i feel like i've heard a little bit more buzz about jacobs wanting to potentially prove a point and like make his voice heard and those kind of things where taylor i think the only real things that i've heard out of his side of things is denying any injuries that he currently has when those kind of reports were popping up so Jacobs, I have, I think, RB9, and he, like, after you get outside of the top 10 running backs, you get into guys who are in committees or just talented players who aren't seeing nearly enough playing time. Jacobs, for me, feels a little hard to project, even if he's healthy, just because he saw so many carries last season. And it's hard to see that being really sustainable. in this day and age at running back, he was seeing well over 80% of the team's carries, which um, at best, most other great players are around in the 60s. So I could see a pretty decent drop off in carries, especially once he is back, if they're more confident in Zamir White just to protect Jacobs from injury a little bit more than what they've been doing, um, reducing his carries that way. So I do have him near the end of the top 10, but like I was saying, like Aaron Jones is someone who's only a couple spots lower, but Aaron Jones is a great player with not as good of a quarterback anymore, who has a good competition in AJ Dillon. So there are things that could go very wrong for him and like travis Etienne, someone not too far behind uh they drafted tank bixby who's they've only been saying good things about him all training camp long so you go much further than where i have him ranked and you get into some real question marks at running back where jacobs once he steps back on the field then he's a pretty safe top 10 option
0: yeah yeah, that, I think that's the key, right? Yeah, you, you, do you want to bet on, on that top 10 potential or, or do you want to go the safer route with like a guy like a, a Jones or, you know, a Travis Etienne? Not that, like you said, it, it's really that safe because there is a pretty decent um difference there but hopefully these guys can can figure it out and yeah we'll see what happens with josh jacobs but there is one more running back who is also holding in um and that is jk dobbins uh with the baltimore ravens uh jim Harba was asked about dobbins still not practicing uh, or participating in practice right now and that and if that is becoming a concern, uh, and his quote was as follows. He says, I don't know, it's a fair question. And there is a point in time when it does become a concern because and he knows JK and I talked last night, we talk a lot, he wants to be out, he needs to be out there, just like any player does. Other than that, there's nothing else I can really add, because I don't know when he's going to come back. But I know I'm going to be really happy when he does. So Obviously, without any clear timeline of when Dobbins will be back practicing or even playing on the team right now, any real concern for for you with, with his availability now for week one?
1: Um, not too much. It's a similar thing where I very much would expect him to be back at the start of the season. Since if he doesn't get a new contract, there's really not too many other options, and I don't really see him getting traded, so... Um, I think he'll be stuck in Baltimore this year. So I expect him to be the top guy. I have him just outside my top twenty running backs since he should see the majority of the carries for at the running back position, but it's the same thing as usual. They have Lamar Jackson who has the rushing upside. They have Gus Edwards who is good to get 10 carries and 50 yards each game. So that also cuts into Dobbins upside. And now they're expected to pass the ball even more. And they've never really passed the ball to running backs all that much. So um, I think the upside is just limited for Dobbins, even when he is back. So, He's someone you can put in your fantasy starting lineup. I just don't see the upside being all that high for him this year, even when he is out of his holdout slash being on the PUP list because he is injured, even though he will probably be healthy if he becomes happy with his contract.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. And, and, you know, the team even brought in uh, Melvin Gordon a couple of weeks ago. And funny enough, he was the one that actually kind of broke the news. I'm not sure if it was on purpose or not that, that Gordon or that um, Dobbins was sitting out because for the most part, I think there was still the thought that it could be injury, injury, injury related, but it does seem to be a a hold in situation. So yeah, I, I don't, I, can't imagine this one carries into week one. If it does, I think Gus Edwards is, is more interesting as far as backups go over Melvin Gordon specifically, maybe see some more usage um, from Justice Hill out of like 11 personnel, which we saw a bit last year. And maybe he absorbs some of those snaps vacated by Kenyon Drake. So to me, he he he's an interesting deep flyer in PPR leagues, especially Justice Hill that is. But outside of that, it, these, these are again, really deep flyers because it's not Ideal situations like you laid out, so we'll see if Dobbins again holds out into the regular season. I, I don't know if he will. I don't think he will, but we'll see. He he has at least fallen a fair bit in ADP, about four spots on on underdog for uh, RB nineteen right now.
1: Yeah, I would say if he does sit out week one, I would be comfortable taking an eye on Gus Edwards just because I would expect Gordon to be that passing down back. So anytime we've had just one of those Baltimore running backs healthy, it's been pretty interesting. It's just been difficult when both of them are around. So mm-hmm. if it's just Edwards, I would be decently interested in that. Nice.
0: All right. Let's quickly throw in some tight end talk here. So these guys don't feel left out, um, but both top drafted rookie tight ends, Dalton Kincaid of the Buffalo Bills and Sam Laporta of the Detroit Lions have been making waves with their own camp hype and videos this past week or so. I- I've moved them up a bit in my rankings, not necessarily because of camp hype, but a little bit because of camp hype. Um, Dalton Kincaid has apparently getting all kinds of looks from josh allen he's been used a lot more like a wide receiver so mar- so far which i think a lot of what was what we expected um and then sam laporta also appears locked into the first team offense in detroit and, and he's been impressive by all reports I, I know we typically don't love rookie tight ends for fantasy purposes but if both of these guys are used significantly more just as receiving weapons then that certainly helps the their chances of emerging as consistent fantasy assets um they what do you think here? Are you buying into the the rookie tight end hype here as news or or is this just noise for you?
1: Um, I'm definitely buying into the Kincaid hype and that um it's more or less what I expected going into it because you're viewing it more as he's a wide receiver more than he's a rookie tight end. And we've seen rookie wide receivers do great things and they lost all of their stock receivers this off season. Uh, Cole Beasley, Isaiah McKenzie, Jamison Crowder, all their slot receivers from last year are gone. Even late in the season, Naheem Hines was basically playing Mm -hmm. slot receiver in an altered role, but that was at least where he was lining up, and now he's on injury reserve. So viewed Kincaid as their slot receiver, and I believe he will continue to be their slot receiver And in this offense, historically, this thought receiver has gotten a ton of targets and a ton of yards. And the Bills have limited other options outside of him and Stephon Diggs. And Gabriel Davis is good for big plays, but he hasn't been all that consistent. So I think there's definitely room in this offense for Kincaid to put up big numbers. And um, that. I think has a chance to be top five fantasy potential. There's also a chance that he's outside of the top 12, just depending on how much of this is hype versus how much they ease him in. So definitely want to draft another tight end if I'm drafting him. But uh, with Kincaid, I think the ups, he's one of two tight ends that I think has top five upside that's not getting drafted among those top seven or so tight ends. And then uh, Sam Laporta with the Lions, I think he should be the starter on the team. I know I think it was Shane Zoltstra who landed on injured reserve. So that's one fewer tight end that he has to compete with. But I could see him being the starter and getting significant playing time. It's just a matter of how good he can be as a rookie with that playing time. Since Mm. I think that playing time was always going to be there. And if he can play well, then he can be a fantasy starter. But if not, then he won't. And it's just a late round flyer kind of situation
0: yeah yeah I, I i tend to like kind of both guys either one or the other i'm not going to try to draft both of them for sure because like you said there is the risk with with either one but i do think like there's at least for laporta's case that the shane zilstra news is kind of important at least because of um you know the the way that the lions used him in the end zone and in the red zone last year he kind of became their go-to target after tj hawkinson was traded um he ended up with 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 four touchdowns uh last year as well in in the red zone so um um, with him injured and out of the picture, it, it at least opens up a path a little bit more now for Laporta to get some of, some more of those end zone looks in that regard if he wasn't going to already. So um, interesting stuff there. Okay, that that is going to do it for the the fantasy football portion of the podcast. I hope you all enjoyed that as we will continue to bring you all the relevant fantasy news and information all season long to help you dominate your leagues. But now, as we do every episode, we move on to our random head-to-head draft battle extravaganza um i'm just going to keep changing the name each time until we find one that that really works uh last time we drafted the top green characters which was a fun one um although i am surprised in in hindsight neither of us took the ninja turtles after it was mentioned on twitter but um alas it it looks like i i get the wind unofficially the, the, the poll's still going. So hopefully putting an end to my losing streak here, Nate, that means you get the first pick as we draft the best months for all of sports. So this is good because coming out of July, I'm willing to bet neither of us have that one on our list. So um, best month for sports. What do you think?
1: Yeah. Uh, first off, apologies to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fans it was hard for me because i would only pick a turtle and i couldn't yeah. pick which of the turtles i would want to <laughs> pick so having too many good turtle options kind of canceled them all out for me which is why i didn't end up picking one it's but the best sports months um i did my research and it was very clear when doing my research which writers were football fans and which were not because the results changed significantly So I'm trying to go with a safer bet with my first pick, which I think pleases everyone at least a little bit. I'm going to go with October for number one. There's NFL season going on. College football is finally in conference play at that time. The World Series is that month. Start of the NBA, start of the NHL. uh, Major League Soccer playoffs are starting. So with so many sports going on at the same time, I don't think there's any other month where you have all four sports plus a few count soccer among i've soccer is probably fifth so having all five sports going on at the same time and playing at various high levels at the same time i the safest one where all those things are going on
0: yeah yeah that's that 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 was my top choice as well um just because of the amount of sports that we're getting in, in that span and my second one, okay, sorry, or my second ranked one. It was kind of a tie, so I'm, I'm hoping to get both. I'm gonna be devastated if if you get either one, but I am gonna go. I'm gonna go with April. So. April is the start of like the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, which are amazing, um, and of course the NFL draft. So that's one of my favorite times of the year. So I I just did not want to lose out on potentially um, having the NFL draft and the NHL playoffs um, as my top pick. So I I have to go with April here.
1: I did have them number three, and I deleted them from my list now since I've figure it's going to be harder to remember who picks what because we're picking months for this one. But uh, with my next pick, I will go with January. Uh, Happy to go with a more football heavy one after going with a more well-rounded one. But we have basically all of the NFL playoffs now outside of the Super Bowl, the wildcard round, divisional round, and conference championship round college football we have the championship game we have all of the top bowl games and we still have the nba and NH- nhl going strong during that month so definitely picking it for all of the football reasons but there's also other sports going on too if you need something to watch those other days
0: yeah january was the other one for me so whatever um <laughs> All right. Uh my next one, okay, this one I think is is kind of underrated at least from like what the the list that I looked at, but I, to me it's June. Um so you get the NBA and NHL finals in here. Um typically, I know there's no football in, in this month, but Oh, man, it, it's it's there are other football months that are great, but I really obviously enjoy the NHL like Stanley Cup Finals is the best. um but you also in the same month that you get those finals for NBA and NHL, you also get their their drafts as well. They do them pretty close together. So um that's why June makes it in there for me. You get the NBA, NHL and Finals um for both of those sports and their drafts. So obviously I'm going draft heavy here with both April and June, but that those are my first two picks.
1: There, I did have June as my fourth. So we were in consensus mm-hmm. about what the top four are. Um, we'll see if we're in consensus about the top five because I'm going March as my next pick. Uh March Madness obviously happening in March, so it has a name after it. So I think that definitely helps. But we also have NFL free agency, which is always fun. Um, major league baseball opening day uh next season as well as this past season has been in March rather than April. So get MLB opening day in there and also get the NBA trade deadline since NBA arguably has the best trade deadline of all the sports. So, um, and of course, NBA games are also happening and NHL games are also happening. So along with all these fun different days for sports and March madness going on, also have normal sports leagues just doing their normal stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. March was, March was up there for me and yeah, it was, yeah. All the, the trade deadlines are so much fun. There's NHL trade deadline there too. So, mm-hmm. um, all right. So my my fourth pick, my fourth pick? Yeah, my third pick. Sorry. Uh, my third pick, I'm going with uh, December. So for December, that I could finally talk football here. The fantasy football playoffs begin in December, which we love. Obviously, we're coming to the end of the NFL regular season. Um, As far as hockey goes, there's still hope usually for my Detroit Red Wings um, in the NHL. So that's nice. And then you also get uh, the World Juniors, which is also hockey um, in December. I know that's maybe more of like a Canada and international thing, unless there are hockey fans in the U.S. There are there are there's plenty of hockey fans in the U.S. and the U.S. does well in World Juniors as well. But yeah, that's a nice one for me. I love December.
1: I had them coming up shortly on my list. I will pivot a little bit. And I tried not to get a bunch of months that were all close together, but I'm going to go with a bunch of months that are close together. I'm going February next. I have all the NFL playoffs. I might as well get the Super Bowl to go along with it. Um, NBA All Star games also that month, but mostly picking it for the Super Bowl. But if I can have January, February, and March, as well as October. So getting all these fall and winter months, you took December away from that streak, but I'll have most of the other months that go on around then.
0: Nice. Yeah. Good call. That was, that was next for me as well. Um, Okay. So I think the last one or what fourth one for me I'm going to go November. Um, you got everything pretty much going except for baseball, which which is fine with me, to be honest. Uh, but you get NFL, NHL and NBA all going right now um, in, in November, that is. And it's kind of like a great time to, I think, for fantasy purposes to kind of bring it back there a little bit. It's a great time to kind of start to separate yourself from the rest of the, your league and um, take advantage of some of those um, other fantasy managers who might start losing interest or can't keep up for the entire season so i always enjoy november it's a nice little sweet spot there of, of sports so i'll put that in there
1: there then we get to my last pick and i'm going with september which if i'm keeping track of everything in my head correctly that's the last month that we have nfl football that a uh, regular season football that hasn't been drafted at this point so okay. that is the main reason that november is there but we also have Uh, Near the end of the MLB season, so that also goes along with it, um, leading up to the NBA and NHL season, which isn't all that much, so not a ton going on in September, but it's at least not any of the last three months that we've left on the table.
0: Yeah, the last three months all kind of suck. Let's be honest. But there is one that is less sucky than the rest. And that is the month we're currently in. So August, um, where we do we get preseason football, we get training camp, we're doing fantasy drafts, we get hard knocks. And it's kind of a time of optimism, right? So I'm hoping to kind of take advantage of maybe the people that are in August right now, they're feeling good and optimistic that they like this time of the year. Hopefully that will win win me some votes here. (laughs) Because yeah, August, not the greatest sports month. There's no doubt about it that so yeah you got october january march february and september and then i got april june december november and august this is this one's going to make people think at least because i'm not going to be yeah. able to lay out like the descriptions on the on the poll on twitter so um people will have to think so i have zero idea how this one is going to go it should be uh interesting for sure but that is going to do it for another episode of the PFF Fantasy Podcast. Thank you all very much for tuning in. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you as well, Nate, uh, as always, for doing this with me. It is full-on fantasy season. I'm pumped. Just seeing all the awesome fantasy content going up on the website this week as well, and, and everyone is ready to talk fantasy at this point. So, Nate, what are some of the the pieces you have up on the site this week to help people continue help getting help with their fantasy season?
1: Uh, This week, it's been a refresher on a lot of my Dynasty content, more player profiles going up. Uh, Finished my series on league winners earlier this week. Also compiled my top 10 sleepers. Um, Update to my top 350 PPR rankings. Um, Draft strategy, uh, aiming for a tight end draft strategy article to go up tomorrow. And then next week, we'll be starting over again with a lot of stuff, um, starting on breakout pieces, more draft strategy articles, Um, More player profiles, of course, tonight with the Hall of Fame game, I will have my recap going up, hopefully somewhere by halftime. I'm assuming nothing will be going on later in the second quarter that I'll be able to get it up by halftime. But maybe, ideally, they play their starters into the second quarter, and I have to get it up even later. So, Um, And then, of course, next week, more recaps once we get more preseason games, but... Once you're done reading my recap, get back to the fantasy mock draft tool. You can do mock drafts while you're watching the third and fourth quarter of the game tonight in the background.
0: Love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's i I'm looking forward to that for sure. Um, For me, updated my like draft strategy, offense IDP uh, for the twenty twenty three season. So I think anyone interested in IDP will get good use out of that one since it offers like suggested scoring, uh, lineup requirements, roster checkpoints through different parts of the draft, where to take IDPs among offensive players, all of that good stuff. Um, I also mentioned I wrote up the the fun little hype piece about why I love Anthony Richardson for this season. Um, I have my round six to ten potential league winners coming on Friday as well. Uh, and a bunch more next week too so definitely stay tuned to the website for a bunch of that and like nate said use the fantasy mock draft tool up on the website have fun with it this is fantasy season there's a lot you can do there and reminder if you have a great league punishment to to send that into pff.com as well um and get uh, potentially some sunday night football tickets and hang out with the boss chris collinsworth i think that would be pretty cool um Be sure to subscribe to the PFF Fantasy YouTube channel as well. We continue to uh, appreciate you guys doing that uh, and supporting the show as well as the PFF Fantasy Discord. Um, You can find all of that stuff on the PFF Fantasy uh, Twitter account as well with links. So um, definitely check that out. And then next episode, we are going to be looking at some more fantasy draft strategies, which always a fun discussion. So looking forward to that. Um, And until next time, peace out.